Hey, welcome to today's Road Sermon Podcast, where in this episode, we're going to explore the powerful lives of two women, Deborah and Jael, who embodied the concept of powerful in purpose. Deborah, a prophetess, and Jael, a seemingly ordinary wife, both fulfilled their roles with devotion, showcasing the importance of using one's unique gifts for God's glory. Their stories emphasize the significance of understanding and embracing God's power to live out His plan. Let's dive into today's message. Good morning. Great worship, wasn't it? It was really good, really good. Uh, we, we live in a world where it's hard to be a woman. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to wade off in deep water for just a minute here. If you're a woman, there are all these expectations, right? And they're constantly changing. Need you see Expectations about what you should look like that are constantly changing. Expectations of what you should act like. And here's the crazy thing. We're going to get in really deep water now. Most of those are set by men. Okay? Now, men don't have those expectations. Right? The expectation of what a man looks like, it's hard to meet a man that doesn't think he doesn't look good. Right? Not true for women. Why? Because we got these changing expectations always moving. Then you move to church and you got another set of expectations for women. Again, what you should look like and what you should act like and get this, depending on which church you go to, that can change dramatically. And once again, set by whom? Oh, you said it, I didn't. Okay. You with me? And yet there's only one set of expectations that matter, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman. And that's God's expectations. And we're in a series called Powerful Women. Uh, it's been interesting. Uh, the role of women in the life of the kingdom is huge. I don't know about you, but the church would be a shell of what it is without the involvement of women. Had a man stop me and tell me last week, and I think this is a great statement. He said, I began to look at my life. And he says, as I reflected, he said, I realized that the majority of my spiritual foundation was the result of godly women who had poured into my life. I challenge you to do the same. At the women who taught you when you were a child and the mother who prayed for you, the grandmother who prayed for you, the people who poured into your spiritual foundation, and you too may go, I am what I am today because of the influence of godly women. We're in this little short series uh, called Powerful Women. Last week we looked at the life of Esther and we saw that a woman can be powerful in position, that whatever position God puts you in, God can and will do powerful things with your life. Today we're looking to lives of two women, uh, one named Deborah and a lesser known woman named J.L. Um, these two women are powerful in purpose. And we're going to try to answer the, the question, what is my purpose. Why am I here? What is God doing with my life? So I want you to read with me in Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 19. Then we're going to skip to verse 15. So follow along with me. There are going to be some names of some people in this. I'm just going to skip them, right? I'd massacre them. So here we go. Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. 
And the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in, there's one of them. The sons of Israel cried to the Lord, for he had 900 iron chariots, and he oppressed the sons of Israel severely for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lipidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtalah, and said, Behold, the Lord God of Israel has commanded, Go and march to Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtalah and from the sons of Zebulun. And I will draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his many troops to the river Kishon, and I will give you him into your hand. Then Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I'll surely go with you. Nevertheless, the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you're about to take. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went to, with Barak to Kadesh. Skip down to verse 15 and we'll read through verse 22. The Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera lied, uh, alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as... Uh, there you go. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not even one was left. Now Sisera fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazar and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my master, turn aside to me, do not be afraid. And he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. So she opened a bottle of milk and gave him a drink. She covered, then she covered him. And he said to her, Stand in the doorway of the tent, and it shall be if anyone comes and inquires of you and says, Is there anyone here? You shall say, No. But Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and seized a hammer in her hand and went secretly to him and drove the tent peg into his temple, and it went through into the ground, for he was sound asleep and exhausted. And I love this. So he died. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> yeah, so he died. And behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. And he entered with her. And behold, Sisera was lying dead with a tent peg in his temple. Would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, Father, it is a tough world um, to be a woman in, especially today. Father, there's so many voices screaming at what we should be and should do. God... Let us hear one voice, and let it be your voice. Thank you for what you've recorded in the pages of Scripture to encourage us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start by looking at the personalities, the main personalities in this story. There are two main personalities. There are a couple of lesser personalities. One of the lesser ones is a man named Barak, and he is the military commander who feared to go into battle without a female leader named Deborah, I need you to let that sink in for just a second. I won't go unless you go with me. Then there's Sisera, the uh, leader of the Canaanite armies, who will ultimately die at the hand of a woman. And the two main players in this story are a woman named Deborah and a woman named Jael, who may have never met each other, but their purposes were intertwined with each other. And the plan of God. We know very little about Deborah as a person. From all the Bible tells us, it appears that she had no children. Uh, in chapter 5, she calls herself the mother 
of Israel, reflecting the fact that she is the figurative mother of the nation of Israel. Uh, Then there's this interesting theological observation, uh, or this phrase in chapter 4, verse 4, where it says that she is the wife of Lipidoth. And some theologians have stated that they, they believe Deborah was never married at all. She was a single woman. That the word Lipidoth means fire or torch. And when they're describing this woman as the wife of Lipidoth, what they're talking about is her personality. That she had this fiery personality. She had this uh, torch of a personality. And it was kind of a way of describing the kind of woman she was strong leader. She was from the area of Ephraim. Her name Deborah means busy as a bee, uh, referring to the life she lived. She was gifted as a leader and a teacher, as is obvious from the text. And the second player is totally opposite. And I need you to see this. I love the way God has put this together. On one end of the spectrum, you got a woman that has risen to as high of a position as possible to rise in in her day. She was the leader of Israel. On the other end of the spectrum, you have a woman who's just an average, everyday woman named Jael. And all we know about her is she was a housewife. Her vocation was domestic. She was gifted with what would appear to be keeping of the home, raising of the children. And yet what we find is God's going to use both of these women, look at me, equally. Equally in the completing of his task. Let's talk about their positions because that's where this story gets really interesting. Um, These women were in positions God had placed them in. And we're going to do our best to understand culturally uh, and make uh, make application universally to our lives from this. So the scripture says that Deborah was a prophetess. So the obvious question we have to ask is, what is a prophetess? Well, the book of Judges uh, refers to 12 judges over the nation of Israel. Deborah was the only woman of the 12. She was the fifth in chronological order. And, And the prophetess, very simply, was the spokesman for God. Israel had lived in rebellion since the, uh, the, the judge Ehud had died. And because of their rebellion, they had been in captivity and oppression for 20 years to the Canaanites. And when God was ready to speak to his children, God chose a woman. We know that. It's plainly written in Scripture. So as a judge, what did her life look like? Well, she had had jurisdiction over the entire nation of Israel. Understand, she was the most powerful woman in the land. Just like all the other judges, the 11 men who ruled. She was appointed by God to be the spiritual guide for the nation of Israel. And when necessary, like all the other judges, she would lead her people to war. So I need you to see what this woman is. She is a spiritual teacher. She is a strong leader. She is a military commander. We read it. She called uh, Barak and said, you get the army together and you get ready to go to war. His response was, I won't do it unless you go with me. She was... The leader. As a judge, Deborah never faltered or failed in her faith. Unlike Samson, unlike Gideon, unlike Jephthah. Set in contrast to her is the, is the woman Jael. Jael's name means gazelle or mountain goat. Now, 
step outside the Bible for just a minute to Jewish history. Jewish history records that Jael was one of the most beautiful women who ever lived. That the sound of her voice would cause men to lust. She was married to a man named Heber. He was a Canaanite. Um, he was a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, a man named Hobad. And the Canaanites were aligned with God's people, but Heber wasn't. Watch this. This becomes important. Heber had aligned himself with the Canaanite king, Jabin, probably to make money. Probably to become wealthy. So here's what you see. This woman, Jael, is married to a man whose faith means nothing. She may not even like being married to him. She may have never wanted to be married to him. She was a victim of her circumstances, unlike Deborah. Deborah was a woman who was in control. She made decisions. Jael, a woman who had decisions made for her. So here's what I want you to see about both of their lives. God was ultimately in control of both of their lives. And although their lives were extremely different, and, and look at me, their giftings were extremely different. Their purposes were extremely different. They were both exactly where God wanted them to be, doing exactly what God wanted them to do. Which brings us to this. God uses whomever God chooses. Uh, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 say this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So this question that comes up a lot, why did God use a woman? And I'm going to give you what often is given as the answer at church a lot of times. Well, because there was no man available. Now, that is a weak, ugly Inept answer. Uh, God used unqualified men often. Samson was an unqualified man. Yet God used him. Gideon, faithless, and yet God used him. Jephthah sacrificed his daughter. And yet God used him. God often uses the broken lives of, of weak people throughout Scripture... So here's what I want you to, to, to see, especially in light of, of women, powerful women, is that Deborah and Jael were not God's plan B for the salvation of Israel. They were not a pinch hitter when God could not find a qualified man. Um, I can't tell you why God chose these women. I can tell you that's his prerogative because he is God. He is God. So I can tell you also what we observe, and I love this. This is just amazing to me that 2,600 years ago, uh, God was addressing an issue that our world is still arguing about. What can a woman do? One woman is the most powerful leader in all of Israel. The other, a housewife who doesn't even appear to have any faith. Uh, God put them both in, in their positions uh, God used them both equally. I, I need you to, to hear that. He used them both equally. The truth is that God creates some women to be professional leaders, money makers. Read Proverbs 31. 
she buys and sells a field. And with the profit, she buys vineyards. This was a woman who was getting stuff done. Getting stuff done. And some women are created that way by God. Strong leaders. Other women? Other women are created by God to prioritize the home. One is not spiritually superior to the other. I need you to let that sink in. The truth is, our job is to figure out what God created us to do. What is our purpose and the role God defined for us? Third truth. There are no lesser positions, only different positions. Uh, The role J.L. played was just as necessary as the role role Deborah played. J.L. was not gifted to play Deborah's role, and Deborah was not gifted to play J.L.'s role. Stop and think for a minute. You got this woman that's fiery, right? Single woman, commanding the military, leader of Israel. Do you want her to be taking care of you when you're sick? (laughs) Fulfill your role. Fulfill your role. Right? Right? You're sick and you want somebody to cook soup for you. You're you're looking for JL. Fulfill your role. Both of their roles mattered. Both were equally important. And yet the defeat of the Canaanite army would not have happened had they both not played their role. Both were incredibly important. So the question becomes, are you fulfilling yours? Are you doing what God created you to do? And this is not directly uh, only applicable to the lives of women. This is also true. Are you, are you the husband God created you to be? If you're a single adult, are you being the single adult God created you to be? Are you fulfilling the role he put you in? So our focus in the kingdom must be on our role, not the role of another. I'll let that sink in for just a second. We become consumed with what God called somebody else to do. And it's been that way a long time. Listen to me. Near the end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus looks at Peter and he goes, when you get old, somebody else is going to lead you around. The end of your life is going to look pretty ugly. Peter was disturbed by that. He looks at John and says, what about him? The one you love. And Jesus looked back at Peter. He said, you follow me. He'll follow me. You let him worry about him. You worry about you. You make sure you fulfill your role. And you won't have time to worry about somebody else's role. Thirdly, we want to look at the power. Uh, We need to pause and see the invisible hand of God uh, in this story and what God is doing in the lives of, uh, of these two women. God's power enables us to use the gifting he has given us in the position in which he has placed us. Uh, Life is not simply about understanding our role and our giftedness. God makes some people leaders and they never, never, never use their gifting for God's glory. So make sure you understand what I'm saying. I believe with all my heart, God created you for something. You have a purpose. The question is not, have you discovered your person purpose? The question is, are you using that for God's glory? Are you letting God empower your leadership to lead in the kingdom? Some people God made wealthy. Are you powerfully wealthy because you're using it in God's kingdom? Some people God made caregivers. Are you a caregiver who is adding to the kingdom of God in how you use and fulfill the role? 
God has made you for. Set in contrast to those who know their role and are empowered by God to fulfill it are those who are gifted by God and yet will not use their role for his glory. Samson. All right, so watch this. Samson was who he was because God had gifted him. Would you agree? He did everything he did because of how God gifted him. Yet he refused to glorify God with the gifting. The gifting of God gave him access to some things in this world other people didn't have access to, mainly women. Are you with me? Are you not with me? Do I need to explain that? Right? This strong dude is out there, and women are just falling at his feet, and he can't say no. He's pursuing them. Watch this. The gifting of God opened doors for him that ultimately, because he did not glorify God, destroyed his life. Destroyed his life. So what did God gift you to do? Did he gift you to lead, but you're not using your leadership to glorify him? It could very well be your undoing. God gift you with wealth. God gift you with caregiving. What did he gift you to do? And are you using it to glorify him? Because when we take his giftings and we selfishly consume them, the end is ugly. The end is ugly. Power comes from us living in the truth of what God has already said about us. Uh, so God told Deborah that he would give the Canaanites into their hand. Deborah told Barak, this is what God has said. Barak wouldn't take what God has said and apply it to his life. He wouldn't go unless Deborah went with him. So God declares that the victory would be given into the hand of a woman. And that woman wasn't even the most gifted or had the greatest role. It was Jael, a housewife. But she had surrendered who and what she was to God. She was living in his power. So I want you to see this scene play out because I need you to really apply this to life. Jael was the wife of a man who appears to have not cared anything about God. He was a nomad. History tells us that the wife of a nomad, main job was to set the tents when we broke camp and set camp. So this is what her life looked like. For 20 years, 30 years, however long she'd been married to this traveling nomad, the Canaanites. Is it every day she took a hammer in her hand and a tent peg in the other. And every day she got on her knees in the sand and she drove those tent pegs into the ground. And the muscles in her forearm began to ripple and she became so good she honed that skill to where she never missed that tent peg. Why? How could God possibly use the skill of driving tent pegs? Well, he's God. And so one day, she's up doing her normal housewife stuff, and there's an exhausted man shows up at her door who feels safe because her father has an alliance with Jabin, king of the Canaanites. Hide me. Don't tell anybody I'm here. I've been running. They're trying to kill me. I need some water. I'm exhausted. She begins to think, this is my moment. And instead of water, she brings him more milk. Covers him up with a blanket. And, and he, he must have felt safe because he went to sleep. And she picked up what she'd been doing for the last 20 or 30 years. 
a tent peg in the left hand and a hammer in the right. And she knelt on her knees and she put that tent peg to his temple and with one blow she pinned his head to the ground. You read chapter 5, it'll say she crushed his skull with that hammer. And I'm going to tell you this. That if God can take a housewife whose greatest skill was driving tent pegs and use her, he can use you. He can use you. So what have you been doing for years? What skill have you been honing? I'm going to say it a simple way. What are you really good at? Pastor, I was a good mom and my kids are all gone. And I'm lost. Do you realize how many people out there need a mother? You ever realize that you don't have to be blood kin to be somebody's mama? Finally, the purpose. And we're done. Uh, we're part of a plan that is much bigger than any of our lives realize. Um, that's why it's important for us to understand our purpose and our role in God's kingdom because God's kingdom is eternal. And we play just this small, small, small speck piece of that eternal plan. Uh, Deborah started a battle. JL ended it. No, we don't even think they knew each other. And yet God had woven their lives together in such a way that they both were dependent on each other. Let me pull the curtain back here just a little bit with you guys about something that happened a couple years ago here. You guys remember Abraham, right? Do you remember Abraham? Most of you do. Abraham, former NFL player. Uh, we, we had spent a lot of time looking uh, for somebody to be young and come in and be ready to lead when Victor and I step out of the uh, role that God has put us in. And we just, you know, we thought, man, uh, Abraham's the guy. And, and here's the truth. We voted to hire Abraham in the middle of COVID with an, a digital vote, with an email vote. And that dude was so easy to love. We just, we loved him, man. He was easy to love. He was happy. He was great caregiver. And one year... One year after he got here, he looks at Victor and I and says, I think I'm leaving. And one of my weaknesses in my life is I get really angry really quick. And I was mad. And I said some ugly things to Abraham. Uh, you know, I just didn't respond well. For one reason, it hurt me. Because I feel like we loved you well, brother. And now you're leaving us. And so I, he, in the midst of all this, looks at me and says, but I know who you need to hire. And I'm like, the last person on God's green earth that I want to tell me who to hire is the guy leaving. <laughs> Man, I met this guy and he's the guy. So he writes his name down and it's Matthew Costner. <laughs> and here's the truth. Wait, wait, here's the truth. It took me a long time to make that phone call. And every time Abraham would pass me, did you call yet? No. I called. I made contact with Matthew, and we were dealing with some other people. It took so long. Matthew emails me and says, I guess you guys moved on, not interested in me. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. I said, just be patient, brother. That was me having to deal with my hurt. But I want you to see how God's plan works. That God brought a guy here, and he wasn't here long, and we loved him, and he was good to us. 
and he took him somewhere else to do a work there. And it may have been that his only purpose was to introduce us to another guy that God wanted here. That all we are is a speck and a piece of puzzle in an eternal plan that's unfolding before us. That God accomplishes his purpose. Last thing, be powerful where God has put you. Uh, if you're a leader, allow God to use your leadership and do not lead from insecurity. Most frustrating thing in life is an insecure leader. Lead powerfully if God has put you there. You're wealthy, be powerfully wealthy and allow God to use it. You stay at home mom, be a powerful stay at home mom and allow God to use you the way He made you. The role He created you for. Fulfill your purpose in an everlasting kingdom of God. Would you bow your heads with me today? All of us want to be used in God's kingdom and we find ourselves asking that question. Um, how can I be used? What can I do? What can I do? Uh, and sometimes we ask that question prematurely. So I want to encourage you, if that's where you're at today, to do two things. Number one, you've got to know him to be used by him. If God's going to use you, you've got to know him. So that's the first question. Do you know him today? Do you know him? And the second question moves beyond knowing him. Are you pursuing him? Because I'm going to promise you this. That if you are pursuing him, him using you will take care of itself. Our problem is we've got a lot of people who want to be used but don't want to pursue. Get them in the right order. Start pursuing God. Spending time with God. And I will promise you that the God of the universe will use you as a part of his eternal plan in this world. Victor's here this morning. I'm here. If, you, if you've got a prayer concern, if you're ready to make your decision to follow Jesus or plant your life at a church, become part of a spiritual family, and God has brought you here for this today, then step out. Father, thank you so much for the time you've given us. I pray, Father, that you'd speak so clearly we couldn't miss you. Father, for men, for women who are struggling with how you created them and why you created them, God, I pray that clarity would be given today. That, Father, the role we fulfill is not created by this world, not even, Father, a man-made church is created by you. And, Father, ultimately we answer to you. Speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.